It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. You are locked on Titans, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Titans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to Locked on Titans, your daily source for all Titans news and information with your host, Terry McCormick of TitanInsider.com, Greg Arias, and former Tennessee Titans All-Pro left tackle, Brad Hopkins. Terry, a Thursday edition means just you and I, but as always on Thursday, we've got a lot of great stuff for the listeners, our coaches and players' corners where we get information from this week's opponents, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars in this case. But as always, Terry, current news to kick off the day, and we start with perhaps bad news on the injury front where Derek Morgan, dealing with an injured ankle, did not practice on Wednesday. Yeah, he uh, seemed to do something, tweaked the ankle at uh, Tuesday's practice, but managed to finish. And then uh, Coach Mike Malarkey made the decision to hold him out yesterday. They're hopeful that he'll be able to do at least a little something today, and I think the plan is still to try and have him play on Sunday. Obviously, they need all hands on deck. Uh, anybody that's healthy enough to give it a go, they're going to need them in this ball game because uh, we're down to two weeks, and uh, the Titans are looking at things as if you know, pretty much every game is a playoff game from here on out if they want to make the, the actual postseason. Yeah, they've been in the playoffs basically for two weeks with two weeks to go just to decide if they can get into the playoffs. And certainly that would be a huge loss with Kevin Dodd already being out. And uh, you take Morgan away from one side of that pass rush opposite Brian Arakpo, and that certainly would change the dynamic of the Titans' defense. Yeah, it certainly would. I mean, you know, they would be getting David Bass back, but then the next man in line would probably be a rookie in Aaron Wallace, who uh, has had some moments this year, but still, uh, you know, a seventh-round rookie. You know, you you don't know, you know, certainly wouldn't expect him to play to the level that a Derek Morgan would. So I think the Titans are holding out hope that even Derek Morgan at, you know, 85 or 90 percent should be able to give it a go. In other injury news, it looks like Jason McCourty ever so closer to not playing this week, Terry. Did not practice again on Wednesday. Not expected probably to do anything on Thursday. And while he's not been ruled out 100% yet, it looks like we're probably heading in that direction. Yeah, I talked to Jason a little bit yesterday. He said there's still a lot of soreness uh, there. And uh, it's basically a matter not only of pain tolerance, but getting some of the soreness out so that he can have a range of motion. Uh, in the shoulder and uh, the chest area, that sort of thing. Uh, Mike Malarkey said yesterday when asked about McCourty that uh, if he didn't practice today, then that probably would mean he won't play on Saturday. So uh, not looking real good for Jason McCourty's chances unless uh, you know he gets some sort of Christmas miracle going, you know, going in the next day or two. 
In preparation for the potential absence of McCourty, the Titans made a move, Terry, and part of it was expected. Carl Klug with the torn Achilles going on IR to fill his spot on the 53-man roster. They bring up cornerback Dejon Smith, who is 5'11", 193 pounds. He was the 65th overall pick by the Indianapolis Colts in the 2015 draft, Terry. That's the third round. But he's a guy that's had some issues, was released by the Colts, released by the Detroit Lions, and now finds himself with the Titans. Is this a guy that can help this team? Well, potentially. I think he's there right now as an insurance policy. This may be one of those down-the-road type of deals where – he gets an audition here late in the year, a chance to maybe do some special teams work, provided he's active on Sunday, and then uh, work his way up the ladder. I think uh, you know Smith obviously has some talent, or he wouldn't have been a third-round pick. pick. I think pretty much in the same spot that uh, Kevin Byard was this year uh, with one of the top picks in the third round. But uh, he suffered a knee injury his rookie year, played in only four games for the Colts. They were expecting him to going into camp this year to contend for a starting cornerback spot in Indianapolis, but uh, he suffered a high ankle sprain and it got kind of caught in a numbers game. They could, couldn't wait for him to get healthy, so they waved him injured, and then uh, he wound up going to the Lions that was on their practice squad for about two months before they let him go, and then the Titans worked him out and signed him to their practice squad, and now uh, after just a short stint on the Titans practice squad, about three weeks, here he is. He is out of Florida Atlantic University, and Terry, the interesting thing when I read his uh, stats and college bio is the fact that he was a kickoff returner. 47 kick returns, he averaged 23.3 yards per return. Not a bad number, so that's a potential spot if he sticks with this team that uh, they could be looking at him for next year, uh, certainly as uh, we try to decide what the uh, situation is going to be in that area. Yeah, that is an option. You know, they, you know, a lot of guys who are, you know, from these smaller colleges especially, they handle an extra, you know, role on special teams, whether it be punt returner, kick returner, in addition to playing their regular position, you know, usually with, with return men, they're either a defensive back or they're a wide receiver or a running back. So uh, Smith, you know, with some experience in that area, remains to be seen if, you know, if the Titans will look at him as an option there. But uh, right now, I think he's probably just happy to be back on an NFL roster and uh, able to contribute to a team with some playoff aspirations. Well, one thing's for certain, the Titans definitely needed the body there to back up what uh, I assume will probably be LaShawn Sims starting at one cornerback, and of course we see Valentino Blake and uh, Bryce McCain handling the other corner and slot positions coming up this week against Jacksonville. Right, plus that also is going to, if McCourty's unable to go, it's going to push Kalen Reed into fix. He would be the first man in if they go to a rotation or if somebody's injured, he would be the first man in, and that would mean that uh, Smith, provided he's active, would probably be the second man in. So he goes from being on the practice squad to potentially having to be a part of the game plan here on pretty short notice. It's not a good time of the year if you're the Titans to be having injuries, especially in the secondary, but that is the case that the uh, Titans are facing this week, Terry. And uh, with that 
obviously a way to help the defense is for the offense to be able to come out in this game and move the football and do some things and keep that defense on the sideline. If you've got the football, that defense is not going to be exposed. So certainly, uh, I think that might uh, factor into the game plan and how the Titans approach this thing. I think it might because that's exactly what they did the first time they played the Jaguars. They dominated uh, in terms of being able to uh, control the ball. They did it with the pass game. Marcus Mariota was spot on in that ball game. They had a strong rushing attack, obviously with DeMarco Murray and later Derrick Henry in that ball game. And, uh, you know, that was one that uh, they really jumped out and just kind of, you know, put it away in the first half. I think it will. I think that game was something like 27 to nothing or at one point. I, I, I believe that's correct. So uh, you're talking about a team that uh, in the Jaguars that are reeling a little bit, knowing that they you know, are in a nine-game losing streak, knowing that you know, the Titans have a lot to play for. The Jaguars will come in and they'll have a puncher's chance, and you know, the Titans need to do what they did the last time, not let them hang around, not let them feel like that this is a game that they can stay in and have a chance to win at the end. You've got to go ahead and try to deliver that knockout punch early like you did the first time if you're the Tennessee Titans. Let's move on, Terry, to our coaches and players uh, corner segments where we look into comments from uh, the opponents this week. It is interim head coach Doug Marone in the coaches' corner and mid-state prep product Jalen Ramsey, the cornerback slash safety defensive back, I guess is the best way to describe it, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, prepped at Brentwood Academy here in the Mid-State area. They were on a conference call with the local media this week and uh, made some comments. And let's take a look at Doug Marone, who obviously, Terry, is in a difficult situation having uh, to replace Gus Bradley, who was fired last week as the interim head coach. Uh, So a lot of things going on in Jacksonville. And Marone was asked about the biggest challenge of taking over head coaching responsibilities late in the season, and this is what he had to say. Well, I think it would be a challenge if there were not a lot of things that we felt we had to change from a standpoint of our approach to the players, what was expected of them. Obviously, we've been close on some games, really haven't been able to put all three phases together to play a complete game, so really the challenge is understanding the feelings of the assistant coaches and players be able to talk about the professionalism of the league, what our responsibility is to our organization, and the ability to go out there and do the best job we possibly can to overcome the adversity. So, really, Terry, he he said a lot there, but he didn't really say anything uh, that you can take away. He's just uh, obviously filling the seat, if you will. He is auditioning. I think he is interested because of some of his other comments in uh, perhaps being the full-time head coach. And, of course, as we talked about earlier in the week, he actually interviewed for the Titans job here prior to Mike Malarkey being hired. Right. I think, you know, what I took away from the comments there by Marone, you know, obviously, you know, not want to say a whole lot, but I think he basically just says, look, you know, this is a team that kind of you owe it to the organization, you owe it to each other, you owe it even to Gus Bradley to go out there and make a good showing in this ballgame, not just go out there and mail it in uh, like we saw the Rams do uh, in their first game under uh, John Fossil after Jeff Fisher was fired. They played Seattle on a short week and just turned in a terrible performance. Uh, I think that's what he's trying. What he's talking about here: you've got to pick up the pieces, and you've got to, you know, somehow go out there and look like a football team that can compete despite the uh, circumstances of the head coach being fired 
had a season that's kind of spiraled out of control. You mentioned, of course, doing it for Gus Bradley. He also commented on that uh, when asked about uh, potentially becoming the permanent head coach. He said, I feel a great sense of responsibility. I feel a great sense of not being able to get the job done for Coach Bradley. So for me, my focus is if Coach Bradley were here, how would he want this team to react? How would he want the coaches to react? So I think certainly some of that is uh, let's do it for Coach Bradley because, hey, we're part of the reason that he's no longer here, the underperformance of this team. And it's not like, Terry, when you look at this roster, this team is totally talentless. There are some players there, especially on the defensive side of the football. Oh, there's no doubt. You mentioned Jalen Ramsey before. They've got uh, Malik Jackson. They've got Miles Jack. They've got Dante Fowler. They've got Cinderic Marks, the former Titans defensive tackle. You know, there's some players here who, who can, uh, you know, have a decent college and NFL pedigree. And it's just a matter of, for some reason, the pieces haven't fit well together. Now, I think, you know, the defense has really come along. They are, I think, number eight or so in the league overall, which is almost unheard of for a team with a 2-12 and record to have a defense ranked that highly. But I think when uh, when you look at the troubles that Blake Bortles and the offense have had get going this year, the run game has not been good at all. They've had problems along the offensive line at times. And then you compound that by Bortles and his interceptions and his, his regression this year after what looked like a breakout year a season ago. And uh, it's just added up to trouble. Uh, for the Jaguars almost from the get-go this season because, you know, this team, not the Titans in most people's minds, this was the team that was supposed to take a giant leap forward into AFC South and maybe win eight or nine ball games. But instead we've seen the Titans come together while the Jaguars have basically disintegrated. Yeah, you touched on what uh, my question was going to be, Terry. I think the biggest question mark for this team moving forward, because when you look offensively, they've got some running backs. They do have some questions on the offensive line. They've got the two Allens, the receivers, Hearns and Robinson outside. The biggest question mark for me is Blake Bortles really the guy at quarterback in Jacksonville? As you mentioned, had a breakout type of year last year, has totally gone the 180 the opposite way this season is he the guy moving forward and I think that's a question that the Jaguars have to figure out with whomever the new coach is and make a decision prior to the draft are they going to draft another quarterback are they going to stick with this guy and and play it out and see what happens yeah I think that's a big part of it you've got to wonder you know going forward can Bortles be you know resurrected can he be uh you know can he be fixed and I think that's the biggest question they have because you've got Receivers and Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson on the outside. Now, Julius Thomas is injured and out, but, uh, you know, he's a weapon at tight end. Uh, at running back, they don't really have the glamour guy. They've got, I think, Chris Ivory at former Alabama running back T.J. Yeldon, neither of whom has really been able to get going this year, but I think some of that falls on the offensive line. Uh, you know, this team's got some decisions to make. You know, if, if they can fix portals, then maybe do they go get a bell cow back? somewhere in the draft and fix the offensive line and, and try to become, you know, for lack of a better term, use the Titans blueprint by uh, running the football and taking the pressure off of portals. But, yeah, there's the next head coach and maybe the next general manager, uh, if you know, unless uh, Dave Caldwell survives this, is going to have some tough decisions to make and it starts with portals. 
You mentioned a bell cow running back. Their record's going to put them high in the draft. There's a guy named Fournette that might be an attractive option. Uh, that uh, I don't know if I'm the Titans' defensive coordinators that I would want to see that guy if they find a quarterback to go or Bortles gets fixed to go with those two uh, wide receivers they've got. This could be a franchise, and it's certainly, I think, going to be attractive to head coaching candidates that might want to step in and, and take a shot at this Jacksonville franchise. Oh, I definitely think so. I mean, you know, like like you mentioned uh, a little bit ago, there are pieces here to work with. It's just a matter of adding a couple of more pieces, seeing if you can fix Blake Bortles, and then trying to make those pieces fit together into a cohesive team. You know, there's talk that they may try to bring Tom Coughlin back there. You know, I think you know that's the type of guy that would certainly be capable of whipping a talented young team into shape and getting them to play much better than they have over the last couple of seasons. And, of course, you you know, Brad uh, suggested to us that perhaps Jeff Fisher could be a name that surfaces in that. I would find great irony and humor in that uh, if that were the case. But uh, I guess, Terry, certainly we can't count that out 100% that he wouldn't be a candidate there. Well, I mean, you know, certainly I guess all options are on the table. You know, I, I myself, you know, and, and this is nothing against Jeff, I would be surprised if Jeff, got a job immediately back in the league as a head coach simply because how toxic the Rams situation became this season, uh, not only losing ball games, but, uh, you know, the issues that he had with Eric Dickerson, the issues of the offense being ranked last in the league and not being able to, you know, show any signs of uh, potency this year. Uh, you know, there might be, you know, but as uh, I think it was Mike Florio on Pro Football Talk said, it only takes one team to be attracted for Jeff Fisher to get another job. But uh, I would have a hard time, you know, seeing a team willing to overlook the warts of his Rams regime to give him a job to give him a job right away. It might take a year or two out of it for his name to resurface in my mind, but you never know. If I'm the Jaguars, I'm thinking younger head coach, Terry, not Tom Coughlin. No disrespect intended to him, but he's an older guy. Of course, you just went through the litany of reasons why Jeff Fisher's probably not a good option, and I wouldn't even consider him personally. But uh, Coughlin, with his age, I'm thinking I want a guy that can grow with this team and be a long-term head coach with this situation and not a guy that's going to come in and maybe win now but then have us back in this situation where at the we're at the bottom of the – pack again trying to figure it out trying to rebuild from scratch once this window that might uh, potentially be in the future for these guys closes as we know they all do in the NFL well it might be a good place for a guy like uh, Josh McDaniels who had who has previous head coaching experience obviously did go very well at Denver but he's grown up he's matured a little bit and maybe he's deserving of another chance you know some guys are able to rehabilitate themselves somewhat when they go back uh, to being a coordinator and then get another chance. I mean, I know, uh, you know, that kind of was the case for Lane Kiffin at Alabama when he went there to be the offensive coordinator. He got another head coaching job because he was able to rehabilitate his image and his approach after he had been severely damaged at uh, Tennessee and Southern Cal. So maybe a Josh McDaniels might be the type of guy that – the Jaguars would want to look at because he's an offensive mind. Now, obviously, he wouldn't be bringing Tom Brady with him, which uh, would be a big detriment. And you have to wonder how much of McDaniel's success in New England is uh, precipitated by Brady's presence. But uh, a lot, certainly. 
but certainly that's somebody I think that would be on the Jaguars' radar. Let's move on to the players' corner segment where Jalen Ram or Jalen Watts, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Yes, I'm sorry, uh, is the uh, player. Uh, that uh, spoke to the media, of course, as I mentioned, he's a local product, but he talked about the Titans' offense, Terry, and this is what he had to say about what stands out to him. Yeah, I mean, more than anything, I think that's what sticks out is their running game. They have two really, really good backs who can cause a lot of damage. Also, they have Delaney Walker. He plays like he's still like a young guy. I mean, he's not that old, but he still plays very, very well. They have a couple of good guys who can make plays for them. Overall, they play well together. I think that pretty well describes what this Titans offense has been. It's not spectacular. The running game perhaps is in the number of yards that they've been able to turn out and certainly the offensive line playing well but overall yeah not spectacular but they play well together right and i think that's you know that's the key because i think they're better than some of their parts and that's especially the case at the in the passing game you know the, the running game you've got some star power there you've got taylor lewan and ben jones and jack conklin up front leading that offensive line you're handing the ball to demarco murray who obviously you know is a pro bowl player you're you've got backing him up the last year's Heisman Trophy winner who's starting to come into his own is Derrick Henry. And then you've got Mariota, uh, who obviously can take off and run with the ball either by scramble or design run plays out of the, the read option. So, in, but in the past game, I agree. You know, you've got Delaney Walker, who's, you know, a late bloomer who came to the Titans and had been a blocking tight end. Now he's one of the best tight ends in the league, as evidenced by his Pro Bowl selection for a second straight year. You've got Richard Matthews, who's really come into his own coming over from the Dolphins, you know, not a, not a really heralded guy. He's not, you know, he's not going to make anybody forget A.J. Green or Julio Jones, but he's a solid, dependable receiver. And you've got a quarterback who's putting the ball on the money in, Mar- in Marcus Mariota. And, you know, and the sum has been greater than, than the parts in some, in some instances. He also, Terry... Ramsey, that is, had a comment, and you mentioned Mariota, and he talked about that and what he said about Marcus as being effective as a quarterback. He has the ability to extend plays. He goes to his targets and the guys he feels comfortable with. He doesn't have a lot of interceptions either, and for the most part, makes pretty smart decisions. That's a pretty high compliment coming from even a rookie defender that has gone against him. To And I know this guy has watched film and, and seen what Marcus is doing and how he has evolved in taking that next step for him that the Jaguars thought Bortles was taking. Instead, it's Mariota that's doing it for the Titans. Yeah, it is. And I think, uh, you know, when you look just how far Mariota has come just over the course of this season, I think, you know, a lot of people felt like that eventually he would get it. He would be a good quarterback. But I think his arrival ahead of schedule has probably been as big a factor as anything in why this team is now where it is, why they're 8-6 and fighting for a division title, as opposed to what most of us and a lot of people felt like that it would be a big leap forward if this team managed to win somewhere between five and seven games. Terry, time for our final thoughts on this Thursday edition. Your final thought for today. My final thought uh, is that you know the Titans. Obviously, you know we talked about this a little bit before, but you simply cannot overlook Jacksonville Jaguars despite their struggles. Yes, they've lost nine in a row. They've not won a game at home all year. If they lose Saturday, would mark the first time in the franchise's history that they've not won a home game. You know, Titans fans certainly know how those sorts of things feel not being able to win in front of the home crowd. You know, they've 
like I said, they've already fired the coach. The season's been disarrayed. Uh, you know, but this is a dangerous team, and I think the Titans have to be aware. I think they have to know this because, you know, this is a team that, uh, to use a Christmas reference, that certainly, despite all their troubles, it, this would be a season maker for them if they could somehow win this ball game and damage the Titans' playoff hopes. This would certainly be a lump of coal in Titans' stocking if they can't go down to Jacksonville and take care of business. My final thought on this week or this Thursday is, as I said before, and I'll say it again, Terry, you touched on it there. It's a must win because if the Titans lose to the Jaguars and if the Texans were to win, that would put the Texans a game ahead of the Titans for the division. Of course, they play each other in the final game. But, Terry, the tiebreaker in this, even if the Titans were to come back and win against the Texans to get back to even and be 9-7 and seven and be tied at 9-7, and seven, the Texans hold the tiebreaker being the division record in this thing. So the Jacksonville Jaguars not only can hurt, I think they can stop the Titans' playoffs hopes if they win this game. The Titans have to win out. They've just simply got to win the last two. They needed wins at least one of the two against Denver and Kansas City. They got both. Now they have the Jaguars who are struggling. Yes, it's a road game. They won't have to battle the inclement weather and the cold and the conditions they did in Kansas City. It'll be warm. They should be able to go down there and take care of business. This is a must win. If they don't get it done, I think we can kiss the playoffs goodbye for this team this season. That will do it, Terry, for us. Great job as always. Uh, We'll see everybody tomorrow when Brad returns. We'll give you our predictions on who will win when the Titans face the Jaguars coming up this weekend. Enjoy the rest of your day. You are locked on Titans. Your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.